Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Steve Peasley listens to your questions. This is Kevin calling from La Cacenta, California, kind of planning ahead for the future, thinking of establishing primary residence in a state with no state income tax. And provides unbiased answers. Good question, though, a good thought process, and always good to look forward. I think there's only what seven or nine states that have no income tax. Invest Talk, over 42 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888.99 Chart. At a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is InvestTalk, independent thinking, shared success. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Friday, May 27, 2022. I took a couple of days off, so I appreciate you being with me today. I'm Steve Peasley and look forward to doing this podcast every day. Well, most days these days. Now I share it with Justin. Justin Klein does it half the time. I do it the other half the time. And we're both very careful about giving you the straight and unbiased answers you ask for the questions that you ask. We have no hidden agendas. I don't. I'm not trying to push anything on you. In fact, it will be mostly your questions to drive the direction of the show. And you do it every day on every podcast. You drive it, not me. It'll be my goal to help you understand the current environment we're in, you know, the economic and stock market environment. That's that's what I will do, and I'll try to help you to avoid the pitfalls, especially in this volatile market. We've had some nice, pleasant updates this week. That, that's that's great, but we've had some prolonged down days, too. So, I mean, for the whole year, the market has been down, is down, has been down. We had a month there uh, where the market turned up, and then it fell down and went down even lower. So we may get an upturn here, but I don't want you to get too excited about it. Not with the Fed telling us they're going to keep raising rates. Okay? So just beware. Now, of course, we had some inflation numbers today come out today. I'll, I'll go over those a little bit. And we are dealing with a high inflation right now. And I don't... As I said before, I think it's peaked. I think we're coming up to a peak. and But I don't think it's going to fall down. I don't see that happening either. Not anytime soon, anyways. So, you got to put the odds in your favor by learning how to consistently make good investment decisions. And I'm hoping this show will help you do that. And believe me, you'll make mistakes. We, I make mistakes. We make mistakes at KPP Financial. If you make decisions, you're going to make the mistakes. The trick is, is to contain those mistakes and make sure you have enough good decisions that work out versus bad decisions that don't. 
This, it's the natural thing for the stock market. That's why I never, ever, ever tell anybody just to buy one big stock and put all your money in it. There you go. Because that's, that's wrong. You don't know if that company, no matter how strong it is, if it's going to be around forever. Now, you don't know that. I don't know that. So I've seen too many times big, solid companies not make it. Okay, so and remember the market volatility. The, the market volatility you're dealing with presents opportunities as well as being very painful. You look for those opportunities and make sure we try to take advantage of those things. So every day we see examples of unpredictable events that eventually seem to affect us all. It always happens. It's going, inflation right now is the primary thing driving most activities. I'm talking about. You know, uh, consumer spending, uh, interest rates, what the Fed's doing. Inflation is driving those decisions at this point. So, on today's podcast, we will operate with our same mission statement we always do. And that is independent thinking and share success. Now, of course, this is your assurance that we're going to treat you with the utmost honesty that we can. That we're going to be very frank about our market reporting, our stock market analyses. You know, uh, even the, anything educational will try to be as accurate and fair and have you understand exactly what we're dealing with. That's what we do here. So, in fact, you can call right now and ask your questions. We want to talk to you. You get to shape the show, so you call. We're live streaming from 4 to 5 Pacific time. We're live on the radio. Leave your questions anytime. If you can't call us live, you can do that. We call it our voice bank. Either way, the number never changes, 888-99-CHART. So let's get right down to our first listener question. Hi, Steve and Justine. This is Sid from North Carolina. I have a question about ticker symbol UPST upstart, which is down significantly lately. It's around forty dollars. I'm not sure is this a good entry point. Can you please suggest if at all this is a long term good stock? What should be the entry point? Thank you. I will listen to your answer in the next podcast. Bye. Okay. UP as in Paul, S T as in Tom is is uh is the symbol. Upstart Holdings Inc. out of San Mateo, out of the Silicon Valley area. Provides a cloud-based, um, a cloud-based uh, artificial intelligent lending platform shared between consumers and lenders to enable effortless credit. Okay, um, it's a fifty dollars and thirty-three cents stock. It's a fairly new company. It was out in December two thousand twenty. It looks like so a year and a half, a little over a year and a half. Um, uh, that's new, right? Uh, they're gonna, they've made money for several years now. Uh, they're going to make money uh, this year, $1.86 a share. Next year, $2.56 a share. And their sales growth is 156% last quarter. That was a March quarter of this year. 250% the quarter before that, 250 before that, 1000 before that. So it's a huge growing company. That's why it's $50.33 and going to be uh, making $2.56 next year. So that's a 20 P.E. 20. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say it's fairly low price. Of course, the stock has been falling sharply. 
Why? Because growth stocks are the ones that are getting beaten up the most in this fall, okay, in the stock market fall. It is at a pretty reasonable price for the growth rate. I think this is a fairly reasonable price. Management owns 25%. I like that. Banks own uh, banks and mutual funds own 55%. And mutual funds have been strong buyers over the last year, doubling their participation. So um, return equity is very high at 40%. I, I like the company. I think it's new and it's tough to know if a new company is going to make it. And one of the things I would look at as carefully is the competitors. Um, I mean, it's a $4.2 billion company this day, so it's a mid-cap company. It's not small anymore. So it depends um, what your timing is, and this is the, this is it's the time to take a risk in this type of company. I kind of like it. I kind of like it. Okay? We're moving into a break. It's Friday. So uh, Friday of a long weekend, by the way. So I'll share highlights from the new, uh, the newest KPP premium newsletter I sent, I finished this morning. And that will be going out tomorrow. And we'll, we'll share that about the halfway mark. Okay. My invest talk phone lines are open 888-99-CHART. Why do listener questions make InvestTalk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that InvestTalk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey, guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor. 888-99-CHART. Now, each time I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24 7 anytime listener line at 888 99Chart. Okay, let's go to Gene in North Carolina. Hi, Gene. Hey, Steve. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you. In the past, uh, we spoke about how limited partnerships and mass limited partnerships, if you buy their stock, you may, you may get this uh, tax form, Schedule K-1. Yes. And I'm wondering, instead of, the ta- instead of the stock from a limited partnership, if I bought an individual bond, a corporate bond from limited partnership and just held on to it and, and got paid out the semi-annual payout that they have and just held it to maturity, would that trigger a Schedule K-1? I don't think so, no. And I don't I'm think not so a, I'm not an expert, Gene, but I'm pretty sure it would not. Because as a, as a shareholder of a master limited partnership, you are a partner. You're but a stakeholder you're, in, their, in, their, in their success. Yeah, you are a partner of theirs. You're not just an owner of a stock. You're actually a partner. So, Whereas a bond... Yeah, yeah, whereas a bond, it sounds like it's kind of the straightforward trans- transaction yep. where yeah, it's, you're it's promised a, a certain yield, uh, you exactly. just hold on to it. It's a debt instrument. 
from right. the partnership, and that's all. So you're buying yeah. their debt, and that's pretty straightforward. But a well, good question. Jane, pretty good question. Thank you. I appreciate the question. I really do. My focus point today is based on the headline, Seven Steps to Estimating Your In-Retirement Cash Flow Needs. Now, it is a scary thing to think about not having a full-time paycheck coming in because I've talked to many, many clients about this, and it is kind of a very different, scary thing. So it's kind of important you start thinking about those. Okay, what else do we want to talk about? We want to talk about the PCE report that came out this morning for April. PCE, personal consumption. I forgot what the E stands for. Anyway, it's an inflation gauge. Um, I'm going to talk about fertilizers and the price. Price of fertilizer. And the federal government is trying to get the oil industry to restart a couple of refineries that they decommissioned or are reworking into a different type of refinery. Why would they be doing that? We know oil prices are really high. That's the price of oil. Do we have a shortage of refinery capacity? Yes, we've had a shortage for many, many years. So, But why is the Federal Reserve all of a sudden jumping on this now? Well, it's all about politics for them, but let's talk about that for a minute. Do we need it? And I think we do, obviously. Um, So those are things where I want to talk about. But, of course, as I said at the beginning of the show, you're the one that drives the show, not me. So how'd the market do today? It was up pretty strong, especially for a Friday before a three-day holiday weekend. Because, remember, those three days, anything can happen. So many times, stock market participants, investors and traders, sell off before a three-day weekend. Take a, take a little off the table because it, you know there's an unknown extra day over the weekend. This time, they didn't. The Dow was up 576 points. The Nasdaq was up 390 points. And the S&P was up 100 points. That's pretty strong for the Friday before a three-day weekend, I think. Now, why was it so strong? Why? Why? Well, probably the PCE report. You know, experts or pundits out there always try to point to something that says, well, this is why that happened or that was why this happened. Sometimes they're totally wrong. They're just guessing. Don't. Many times they are. You know, yeah, you can point to some events that, yeah, that's why the market jumped today but sometimes you're just trying to find something and they just pick something out that makes sense or sounds like a good sound bite on the radio or tv or wherever so don't just listen to them and buy into everything they say and that includes me i'm not i'm not excluding myself from this you know i i try to give the best information i can give but sometimes i'm sure uh, it's not good it, you know, you should understand that you can only give out the best information that's available to you, and the information you're getting could be biased or wrong, and you're passing along the wrong information. It happens all the time. It's worse these days with the internet and social media than it ever has been. But we here on Invest Talk are giving our be- doing our best. We're we download all kinds of software from various sources to try to compile facts as best we can. That's what we want to give you, and that's what we're trying to do. This is Invest Talk, everybody. It's Friday, and we are moving into a break. I'm ready for your questions. You can do it right now. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. 
The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? Is your portfolio properly balanced? Or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Okay, let's start off by going to James in New York. Hi, James. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Thank you. Um, I'd like to ask about SLB. I purchased that stock at about $29 per share, and I know now it's nearing $49 per share. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to maybe judge the correct moment to take some profits off of that position. Uh, if and when that might be the case, I don't know what the fair value of that stock might be. Okay, this is a some call it Schlumberger, but it's Schlumberger is the, how you pronounce that. Um, it's out of Houston, Texas, because it was a I think Italian or European name. I mean, initially, anyway, it provides technology services, project management information solutions to petroleum industry worldwide. So it's a very big. $68 billion company in the oil industry. And it makes good money, and the money is increasing, of course. They're going to have make a dollar eighty-seven this year after a dollar twenty-eight last year. Next year, $2.64. It's a $48 stock. That's the price of the stock. So you have 40 to 50% growth in profits and about 13 14% growth in sales. So at $2.64, you're looking at it as a company at a you know that's what eighteen PE going forward is that high? Well, it's not cheap, but it's not expensive either. The five year range PE is eight to fifty four, so that's not really helping you too much. It's such a wide spread. Return on equity is very healthy at fourteen dollars. They don't have a lot of debt. They have debt, but not a lot. Cash flow is very strong. Funds own 48% of the company, and they've been slowly buying. And I'll tell you, I think the stock is probably worth about $60 a share. I think that's where it's going. Okay? So you can kind of gauge on whether you should take profits or not based on that. My rule of thumb, is it how big of a percentage of your portfolio is it, James? Is it 20% of your portfolio, 3% of your portfolio? How big? No, it's about five. Okay, so I would probably just hold on to it for the time being. If it gets up to $60, I think it's time to you know take some off the table. If it doesn't get there and it rolls down and goes all the way back down to $20, uh, you can tell me I'm stupid later, okay? But I do think it's worth about 60 bucks, And that's it's where it was a year, year and a half, two years ago. And it kind of chattered right around the $60 area. So when it gets into the high 50s, you really got to start thinking about it, okay? All right. Thank you. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. SLB. It's a symbol. SLB. Uh, Let's go to Dan in San Francisco. Hi, Dan. Hey there, Steve. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you for the call. Sure. Thank you. Hey, um, I have a question on uh, VMware, the um, acquisition broadcast. Yes. Um, Acquisition. I have um, a small position, and I don't know. Um, it, would I be um, getting cash for these shares, or would I be getting shares of Broadcom or Broadcom, well, or how does that work? 
Well, VMware shot up at like thirty percent this last week, right? Um, right. Are, are they are they trying to be sold or someone trying to buy them? Uh, you know, there's yeah, some... Broad, Broadcom. Broadcom's trying to acquire them. Okay, so that's why. See, you have to forgive me because I took a few days off and I wasn't paying attention to all the news and all the stocks, so I missed that. So yeah, so your question is is what should you do with your small position? Yeah, and then um, like should I like have a, a trailing uh, stop on that um, to sell if it drops if the sale goes through or, or the um, sale doesn't go through? Well, I can tell you I can tell you my general rule on um, when one company is buying another and when the when the announcement is made and the stock pops up, you sell it. Why? Because it generally only pops up to about 90% or so of the offering price. It doesn't pop up to more than the offering price. That would be very unusual. Has it ever? Yes. Um, because they might try to get more money for their company, right? They'll, they'll come back and say, no, you got, you got to sweeten the pot. And that does happen. But there's what if the sale does not, now, what if the sale next week announces it's not going through, they backed out? The stock is going to collapse back to where it was. And so you lost your right. open. So what's the chances of that? The chances of that are probably better than the chances of someone offering more money. Okay. Now, now your third choice, you can, you, you can wait till it closes, the deal closes. But all that time that is waiting to be closed, in other words, it usually takes months, right? All that time... Something bad could happen, and that bad only drops the price of your your price. The only good thing that can happen is someone comes along and makes a better offer. That usually happens right away. Someone, you know, you have competitors and they're competing. That's great for you. So, but my general rule is probably take the profits and run because it's being okay. sold. Because okay. it, it jumped, it jumped up quite a bit at the announcement, and then later in the week it jumped up another ten, 10 points. That's because probably is there another possible buyer out there? See that that's possible. I I, I take my money and run. This just what I would do. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We're moving into a break. It's Friday. The podcast is loaded with content, but I do welcome your questions. I'll get to the content and to the KPP Premium newsletter that I sent out. I'll be sending out tomorrow for you right after this break. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Let's say. You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. 
You know you want to do this, so don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Steve Peasley is here now, ready to take your calls live. 888-99-CHART. Okay, let's get to my main discussion point about uh, today's show. Seven steps to estimating your in-retirement cash flow needs. So what we're talking about is how much, how do you figure out how much money you really need in retirement? Your cash coming in. Now, of course, you're going to get Social Security. Almost everybody listening to the show will get Social Security. So that's in, that's cash flow into you, right? That in retirement. Because your income is going to stop somewhere. And now you got to replace that active income with something else. So the first thing you do is find a realistic baseline of how much money you need. How much money are you spending now? Okay. You don't have to figure that out. It's easy. What's your payroll? What's your paycheck say? How much money are you getting? Then, okay, how much money out of that money do you pay to save? I notice I said you pay to save. I always always suggest to people to think of savings as another bill, and you got to pay it got to pay this savings bill for yourself, for your retirement. So how much? You deduct that because you don't need it anymore because you're going into retirement. So there's one thing that's, that's a plus for you, right? You're not spending that money now while you're working, and therefore, you know, you're, it, it's not something you have to worry about. Okay, then you got to also forget about some of the taxes. You're not going to pay Social Security taxes. You're not going to pay certain 
taxes, Medicare taxes. Uh, you don't have to pay those anymore. So that's a plus. So then subtract any anticipated housing cost changes. Now, this is one big item I've been talking about for as long as I've been doing this show, 20-plus years, 22 years. You should not have a mortgage in retirement. It's a, it's a bill that you have to continue to pay in retirement if a house is not paid off. You do not want a mortgage in retirement. Now, you can argue with me. That well, wait a minute. Money is so cheap, you know. At one point, so I refinanced it at you know three. My mortgage at three percent. Why would I want to pay that off? Well, that's a very valid argument. But I still will stand by my argument of paying off your mortgage because you're not going to be able to make money other than from your savings and Social Security and whatever else you might have going on after retirement. You don't need that bill that's constant. That's a bill you can get rid of. But, so you got to pay attention to that. Now, property tax is not going away. Some people don't realize that when they pay that mortgage, part of it is their property tax, and that still is going to have to be paid even though you paid off the mortgage. So, because they, they roll that in. Okay? And then you're going to factor in what, what kind of lifestyle changes you're going to have. Some people actually spend more in retirement when they first retire than they did when they were working because they want to travel, they want to spend money, they want to go. You have to be very cognizant of what you're doing. That, that's, a, that's a cost factor. What your lifestyle change is doing is not always, well, I'll be home and I don't have to spend so much money on gas and, and I won't be doing certain things I would have to do if I was working. I don't have to buy new clothes all the time or suits all the time. Uh, so I'll be saving money. Yeah, but will you spend it another way? And vacations, recreational vehicles, I don't know, whatever you like to spend on. Okay? So, and also, you probably have higher health costs. Medicare doesn't pay for everything. And as you get older and older and older, things start to not work as well. I'm talking about physically. So you may have to spend more money. And you have to consider inflation when you're saving for inflation. Inflation's going to, think about people retired last year. And look how much inflation is eaten into their retirement this year. Now think about those things. Okay. 888-99-CHART. Before I get to the KPP Premium Newsletter, I want to maybe squeeze in a quick caller question here. Let's play it. Hi. I wanted to get your opinion on Eli Lilly, the symbol LLY, and the healthcare sector in general in this environment. Thank you. Okay, Eli Lilly Drug Company, everybody knows who I'm, most people have heard of, branded pharmaceuticals to treat neuroscience, endocrinological, oncological, and cardiovascular diseases. Stock's been marching up and up, and up the last couple of years. New 52-week high now at $323.48 a share. Okay, so is it worth $323.49? And I'm going to tell you probably not. They're going to make $9.48 next year per share. This year, $8.39, so more than a dollar increase. Um, last year, they made $7.90. They've been increasing their earnings every year for the last 10, 15 years, every year. Increases, very steady. Sales have been increasing 
oh, probably on an average in the low teens every year. So it's going to have a high P.E. ratio because it's so fundamentally strong. But when you take the current stock price of $323 and divide it by next year's earnings of $9.48, you get a P.E. ratio of 34.36, 34% P.E. ratio. Do you know what the average P.E. ratio is for the S&P 500? You should. That should be something ingrained in your head if you're going to do anything with investments. It's usually around 15 PE. It can go much lower and it can go much higher. Usually in higher inflation rates, at higher inflationary times, you know, the P, the PE will be different. Okay? In higher, uh, for high tech companies, very high growth companies, PEs are much higher. We have been sitting on a much higher P.E. than normal for years now, several, five, maybe six years now, much higher than normal. Now, this year, it seems like we're getting some kind of ratcheting back to the normal area, but we're not there yet, and it may not get there, or it may go below normal. But just know that this is a pretty expensive stock. Now, it deserves it. It has a 98 Return on equity, 98% return on equity. It's huge, huge. So, you know, what drug companies, you want to look at their pipeline. What else do they have coming out? Do they have new drugs coming out? And they're going to be, or do they have old drugs that has been their stalwarts? Are they losing their patents? Those. That's how you kind of look at these, you know, uh, branded drug pharmaceutical companies, okay? But I think it's just too expensive, personally. I'd say, wait a minute, too expensive. Okay, the premium newsletter, the KPP premium newsletter was finished today. And, of course, it'll be uh, distributed to subscribers tomorrow. Okay, but here's a little preview. In the market conditions sections, I explained that the large volatility swings continued this week in the stock market with most of the volatility taking a downward trajectory. The market is trying to find a bottom. But as stated many times in previous newsletters, you should not expect it to hit bottom until sometime this summer. So I'm telling you, even though we had some good days this week, the overall volatility has been down volatility. Okay? We may have a rally in June. This is in the newsletter. We may have a rally in June, and it could have started this past week when we had some stronger up days. But prudence dictates that we should not get our hopes up with regard to the expectation that we are through with our bear market scenario. On average, bear markets generally last about a year. How long have we been in this bear market? See, this is this is interesting because we weren't we wouldn't describe this as a bear market until just recently. I mean within the last month. But it started in January, where the market topped and began to roll down, right? The 1st of January, it topped and started going down. So you say the bear market started. You don't say where it started from the day it fell 20%. No, you say it started, the bear market started when it started to go down from a top. So we're what, six months, almost six months into this bear market right now. It could stop tomorrow. I mean, it you know, can go up two, 3,000 points on the down. I mean, it may have already stopped. It could be stopped. Remember, we, you, you, what if the last two, three-day updates we've had, and you can say, oh, okay, what if in six months we look back and that was 
the turnaround point. This will last week. That's when the bear market stopped. You just don't know it yet. See, it, 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 you can't, looking, in hindsight, looking backward, it's nice. But looking forward, it's much more difficult. And obviously, it's something I guess I don't need to say because it's so obvious. Okay, so we think we, I, may th- I think we may have a rally coming up in June. It may have started, but I still think with the Fed pushing rates up, it's not something we can rely on. Okay, um, the good news in the newsletter, and the good news we see an economic picture has found uh, has found in consumer behavior because consumers are working and thus far are spending their dollars. I am obliged to about oblig, oblig, obligated to note that we have seen the peak in housing. The new home sales fell sharply in April to five hundred ninety-one thousand from seven hundred nine thousand. Home sales are clearly suffering from the rise of mortgage rates. And we knew they would, wouldn't we? Didn't we all know that? That's not a surprise. The, Fez, the Fed caused the 30-year fixed rate to move from 3 and at 3.5% to around 5%, well, about 5 and a third just last week, 5 and a third percent. And, of course, that squeezed out potential buyers and caused other people to stop buying or even searching for homes. <laughs> so that's what we have. In the portfolio management section, I explained the 10-year treasury rate has risen significantly this year and has landed at just above 3%, just under 3%. This circumstance will disrupt the market in many ways. Not only have bond investors felt the pain of rising rates, but many areas of the stock market have also been drastically affected. Industries such as real estate investment trusts, utilities, master limited partnerships, Home builders and foreign stocks have been put on notice. Higher interest rates are going to hurt. You can just step back and say higher interest rates is going to hurt those people that use debt or have those companies that use debt or have a lot of debt. It's going to be very difficult for them. Stay away from companies that have a lot of debt in this in this environment we're in. Okay? In the, you know, let's see, what other section I got going here? Uh, the stock idea section, I listed a Canadian-based IT service provider with embedded positions in North America and Europe. Its recent European acquisitions may benefit the firm in making inroads into the European marketplace, resulting in material margin expansion. Man, they'll make more money. And I looked at a company that provides software products and software-enabled services to a variety of customers, primarily financial services, but also healthcare firms. The stock has had a steep sell-off along with the overall market, and we find it attractive at its current price. Remember at the beginning of the show, I said uh, volatility, down volatility, also produces opportunity. So we see them out there, and this is one of them. So I name names in the newsletter, obviously, okay? So if you're really interested in you know, you'll see the stock ideas every week. Remember, this this our newsletter comes out every week. Okay, so it's a, there's a lot of valuable information. It's called the KPP Premium Newsletter. When you subscribe at investtalk.com, you will receive the newsletter each Saturday morning via your inbox. Subscribe at investtalk.com. Okay, next I'll play another caller question. So just hang on. 
Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. When do I know the right time to take profits? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. So don't forget to call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. Hey, Justin. Thanks for everything you do. I just came across a cool stock, ticker symbol GLT. I noticed it in the uh, insider buying category on some research. Did a little bit more digging. Looks like they have a solid dividend. They've increased it over the last step nine years or so. And I just wanted to see what you guys think. Maybe give me some more insight on the company. Uh, looks like it's hit a pretty big low. So I'd love to hear some insight on this ticker symbol GLT. And it's Glatt Felter Corporation. Appreciate everything you guys do. Have a great day. Kind of an interesting play. It's a very small company. That's my biggest worry right off the bat. This is Glatt Felter Corporation. GLT is in Tom. Manufactures specialty papers and engineered products for the publishing food beverage and converting industries. Okay. Uh, it's a $387 million company. That's why it's made when it's very small. But it makes it made $381 million last quarter. One quarter it made its entire market cap as far as sales. They're going to make $0.19 cents a share this year. They made $0.61 cents a share last year. So what you're looking at is a very, if you go back and look at the years, you'll see their earnings per share is pretty darn erratic. They pay a 6.5% dividend. It's very unusual for a little tiny company to pay that kind of dividend. Management only owns 2% of the company, which I think is pretty light, considering how small the company is. You would think they would own a lot more. But mutual funds own the other 61, own 61%. And, but, so they own a lot, but they haven't been buyers of the company. They, same number of buy, uh, mutual funds now as then, so it hasn't changed. So it's a high speculative company. Uh, it's $8.67 stock. It's a very inexpensive company. Very inexpensive company. So, and you, you could take a flyer at this price. I think you could. This Monday, May 30th, is, is a market holiday. It's a holiday for everybody, of course. So we have put together a fresh compilation show. A best of caller questions podcast. Look for the Monday. That's Monday, everybody. The Invest Talk downloads are always free. My phone number is always open, 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hey, Justin and Steve, this is John in Memphis. And I'm listening to your show, just caught it. I'm new to your show, and I'm new to investing my own money. I got a little profit from uh, some of my accounts, and I wanted to know. What business cycle do you think we're in right now? Is it early contraction, late contraction, early expansion, late expansion? I'd like your thoughts on that. Thank you for your call, all your time. 
Now, that's an excellent question. We are an early contraction in the U.S. business cycle. Early contraction. Okay. Um, um, Europe, Asia might be in the middle of their contraction. Um, and I'm not sure how deep our contraction is going to be. I don't, I, my personal opinion is I don't think it's going to be very deep, the contraction. But, you know, the business cycle is a wave, right? Up and down from bottoms to, you know, where the GDP is virtually nothing, where we have tops where the GDP is cooking 3.5%. That's been our normal uh, average GDP range. But it can cook up to 6%, sometimes a little bit more, but that's that's your shrinking 3 or 4% to 6%, and it's in a cycle. Cycle can be very long or it can be very short. Our first first quarter GDP this year, the economy shrank one point something percent. Second quarter, we haven't got the numbers yet because we're not done with the second quarter, but we're coming up on that, right? The second quarter is probably going to have some growth. So we're not in a recession, but we are showing weakness in the economy. Therefore, we're in early contraction. Excellent question to know. You as an investor need to know where you are because the stock market falls before a recession appears. That you actually know where it, that it, the numbers tell you that it actually is a recession. The stock market falls beforehand. It's falling since January. See, it's a matter of learning the language of the investment world. And you can learn it. It just takes a little work. PCE came out, which is the uh, personal consumption. I don't remember what the E stands for. Um, but it's an inflation gauge. It was up two-tenths of percent in April. Now, go back to March. It was up nine-tenths of a percent. Year over year, it was up 4.9% versus in that was for April, year over year in April, versus year over year in March, it was 5.2%. That feels like a peak, right? It stopped at, it's starting to, might peaking, might be rolling down, and that's where I think we are. Real income, last quarter, last month, 0% increase. Real income means they take into consideration inflation. Now, nominal income rose, but... Now, real income the month before, it shrank half a percent. So it went from shrinking half a percent to being flat from March to April. Spending up nine-tenths of one percent versus up 1.4 percent the month before. Consumers still spending money, still spending out there. Consumers, 66 percent of our economy, everybody. We need them to spend. We need them to have jobs. We need them to spend. And that's what we have right now. So it's okay. Did you notice that fertilizer prices collapsed? I don't want to say collapsed. Fell hard, 30%, month over month, from April to May. Okay? Um, so in April, it was like $1,125 per uh, ton, okay, for certain kind of fertilizer. I won't get into the details. Um, and that now is about 1000 so the and why did it go down? This is this is the this is really why I'm bringing this up. It went down because of demand. The term demand destruction, meaning the prices were so high, 
buyers weren't going to buy it anymore, even though they need it. They're not, I'm not spending that kind of money. That's demand destruction. Too high a prices is a solution to too high a prices. I said that two weeks ago, last week, I don't know, just not that long ago. Okay? I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Rest Out program. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. You can get your downloads anytime, anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. And please be sure to review and rate us if you do download it from iTunes. Monday is a holiday, everybody, so have we put together a show for you. It's the Best of Caller Questions show, so please tune in, if you would, on Monday. Independent thinking and shared success. This is Invest Talk. Enjoy your holiday weekend, everybody. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening, and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.